Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. I've got back with me uh, today Luke Gein from uh, Gein & Co. Uh, Luke, uh, say hello. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me back. Great, great to have you on. Um, for those of you who haven't heard Luke on the show before, Luke is a certified public accountant. Um, his website is dentist, that's D-E-N-T-I-S-T, C-P-A firm.com. Uh, clearly, Luke and his firm specialize uh, in practice uh, accounting, correct? Yeah, practice accounting for dentists and also tax planning, uh, high-end tax planning for dentists. Perfect. Luke, tell me, how did you get specifically uh, where you started working with uh, dental practices? You know, a lot of it was we just noticed a really good personality fit between our firm and dentists. I mean, it, when when dentists ask, how many dental clients do you have? I think they're trying to say, do you understand my industry? But part of understanding the industry is understanding the people in the industry. And so it's not that much work, honestly, for a CPA to understand the industry because a lot of these industries file the same tax forms anyway at the end of the day. So the tax impact is, is pretty similar between industries, but understanding the people in the industry and what they're like and what they need and what kind of people they want to work with is, is a greater challenge. Yeah, makes sense to me, Luke. Um, when we had you on the show before, we talked about, and if you haven't heard this, you should, um, you talked about myths, common myths that you hear uh, from practice owners um, when it comes to accounting. Again, people, if you haven't heard that, go back and check it out. But uh, that kind of opened up um, the door to where we're going next, which is a big problem. Um, everyone's aware of it. I was actually shocked when I heard the number, but it's um, building um, a, a tax plan uh, and the steps they can. So I want you to jump right in. Um, first, at, let me ask you this question. What percentage of practices that you run into or, or, or that are out there that are established practices? So not first year practices or even second year practice, but established uh, practices that are healthy that actually have a tax plan. What percentage of them do you think do not have a plan? I, I think 75% don't have a plan. I, I have... I have yet to run it. I can think of only one uh, that I've met that had a written tax plan. Um, some of them have written financial plans, but an actual tax strategy, not just here's what you owe in tax being the tax plan, hardly any, uh, because it's just not a service that CPAs focus on traditionally. So let's talk about the cornerstones of a tax plan, because I think a lot of people would probably argue with you on that. A lot of practice would go, no, I have a plan, but it's really not right. It's just like, hey, I'm going to hand my taxes to I've got a bookkeeper or my office staff does that or my spouse does it. And, you know, so, yes, that's a plan. Right. Um, and I um, I, you know, I'm going to take my books to the accountant at the end of the year and they're going to take care of it. And it's all said and done. So um, for those of for those people who think they have a plan, or, or let me ask you the, the question this way. What constitutes a tax plan? What, what does a tax plan look like? An yeah, actual a, plan? a tax plan, it, it should be in writing. Um, it should be, you know, it's, it's not something that's just anecdotal. It has to be written. It has to be proactive and something proactive and systematic that's done throughout the year. Um, in general, tax planning is not one idea. A lot of people will read, you know, They'll get the McGraw-Hill publication or they'll get something and they'll say, hey, why aren't we doing this? And then they want you to go chase or research some some idea that someone heard somewhere. That's not tax planning. Um, that's just chasing a tax deduction. And actually, I think that's risky. 
a plan is a set of ideas that work together to bring a person from point A to point B from a tax perspective. And it has to be worked proactively throughout the year. It generally can't be done last second. So when you're building out a tax plan, or if you were to give advice here, to, you know, the, what would be the cornerstones, right? So we're going to put it on paper, right? It's got to be something that's done throughout the year. Um, what, what, what is the cornerstone um, of tax planning or what should people start to put together on paper um, to start working out a tax plan? And there's, there's four areas that I, that I look at for tax planning because people come to us and they'll, 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 you know, they want to get past the vagaries uh, and just and make sure we know what we're talking about. Like, well, what do you mean you can save me money in tax? Because, you know, my accountant already has a tax plan for me. He, you know, he or she calculates my tax payment coupons and they tell me to buy equipment at the end of the year. Well, that's tax calculation. And there is some value in saying, hey, do you need to buy any equipment at the end of the year? But that's not really planning. So when we have to answer that question, what actually is tax planning? We say, look, there's four areas that we look at. And generally, this will cover almost everything. Um, one is income shifting, uh, simply shifting income from a higher tax bracket to a lower tax bracket. This can be done with different entities. This can be done with different people like somebody's kids. And this can be done by moving uh, uh, income between years. Um, so there's multiple ways to do income shifting. And by the way, don't confuse shifting with shifty. <laughs> it's a bad thing in taxes. It's yeah, not shifty, right. it's shifting. Um, so that's one, you know, moving income, uh, income shifting. Another one is maximizing deductions. And I think this is the one that people are most familiar with or think they're familiar with. And this is why we have write-offs and or write-offs to the rescue. So people can understand the deductions they're entitled to. There's all kinds of other deductions that they probably aren't aware of, uh, whether that be, you know, just throw out a couple of examples like captive insurance companies or uh, in the past conservation easements being a good option, not as good of an option now. Um, there, there are deductions you can take the, the, some of them are listed transactions and are highly visible to the IRS. You have to be very careful how you do them and who you do them with. But there are deductions beyond buying equipment that you may or may not need. Um, so income shifting and deductions. And there's two others, but I'll come up for error if you had a question on those. Yeah, I, I do um, uh, somewhat. And as far as maximizing deductions, um, I think we could probably have 10 episodes that are just based on probably deductions and myths around deductions and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, and I'm sure that there's the levels, the threshold levels of risk that are involved with taking them and, and raising red flags and what have you. But um, in your book, write-offs to the rescue, um, which by, by the way, folks, um, for you can get a copy of the book, a free copy of the book with a, a tax consultation with you, correct? That's right. Yeah. Just yeah. fill out the consultation request within your copy. So if we were to, to stick on the deductions um, right off to the rescue, what's what's one of the, what's the most common deduction that uh, dental dentists and practice owners are not taking that they should be that they should be taking? I think one that they should be, especially for those with extra income, is anything with qualified plans like retirement plans. Some of them have a four hundred one k set up. Some have a like a SEP IRA or something like that, but. More, most people aren't asking about that because once they put it in those accounts, they can't get to it and use it. The more sure. common questions are, what about vehicles? You know, should I go buy a new truck? Should I go buy this? And I, I mean, I have seen people, you know, I went to one guy's house a while back. He had three beautiful pickup trucks. I think it was three. And I'm, uh, anyway, and he was considering buying another 60 whatever thousand dollar pickup. Sure. And so 
you know, the goal is not to have tax deductions. The goal is to, is, is to reduce taxes to the point that it makes sense. So you don't, that's like I say all the time, you don't spend a dollar to save 40 cents. And right. so some people so dislike the idea that they're being taxed that they're willing to go throw money away because it's deductible or largely throw it away. And I yeah. think equipment companies get dentists all the time on this, you know, buy this equipment, it's deductible. But you may not need that equipment. Better to pay the tax and not have the deduction than to buy something that you don't need. So that's that's a myth around deductions. But there's all kinds of small and large deductions. A lot of times people are doing the small ones, but they're missing the big ones. But the big ones also have more visibility. Sure. Yeah. And it seems fun. There's something fun about tax deductions, right? Buying something, oh, it's tax deductible. And I know it does hurt you, right? Because you're saying like, you know, 40 cents on a dollar, it doesn't make any sense, but I can see how people fall into that. The four areas of planning, you know, we talked about, you brought up shifting income, maximizing deductions. What's the third? Third one is using tax savings vehicles. So um, there are are, uh, things that you can put, vehicles that you can put money in to save tremendous amounts of money over time. You know, one could be um, like a, uh, a captive, not a captive insurance company, but um, like a pension type plan where you set this, you set a qualified plan on top of another, another qualified plan you already have and allows you to save a tremendous amount of money uh, uh, that it's tax free. The offset to that is you also have to include employees. Almost any of these things that you do, there's going to be some sort of 10% cost, uh, you know, probably, you know, give or take, uh, right? It's not going to be exactly 10. Either you have to include employees or you have to pay the company that's going to do this plan for you. Sure. Um, there's there's always something. So there's an expense to it. Um, but there are savings vehicles that you can use to shelter money from tax. There are trade-offs to them as well. So what's the um, what's the fourth? The fourth one is just business entities and making sure that you're being taxed the right way. Um, and a lot of times people come to us for this. They say, I just have a feeling that I'm not even being taxed the right way. I talked to someone just well, in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, almost uh, close to a million dollar practice. In fact, I think she was over a million and she's a sole proprietor, Schedule C, no, no business entity, no anything. I mean, you couldn't be in a more risky and more tax expensive situation than that. And no one had even given her advice on how to be taxed the right way. We've seen that all the way to the guy who's been the, the C corporation for 30 years and has no idea why, but someone and uh, you know someone told him to do it, and so and so he is, and he's not sure if that's right either. So just making sure that that you're being taxed the right way. Sometimes this means that we need more than one entity uh, to make it correct. Sometimes your the entity's fine, uh, but or people have real estate entities that need to be changed. If we're not if you're not taxed the right way, it's harder to have a structure to put um, tax plan tax planning strategies into. Yeah, makes sense to me. Luke, I think a lot of people, um, not just with accounting, but with legal and with everything else that we have to spend money on to run our business, we look at it as another expense, right? We look at it as, oh, this is something I got to pay for. This is something that costs me money. It's something I hate. It's just whatever. It's common, right? We do it. I'm sure you do it with vendors that you have to work with and companies that you have to work with too. But in my opinion, that if you're working with uh, the right firm, um, the right people, you have the right plan together. I think it actually frees you up time that you can actually do what you do best. And for our audience, of course, that's dentistry. So, um, you know, I would encourage our audience to, to definitely um, reach out to Luke um, for a consultation. But also, Luke, um, tell us, you know, I know you're not the only accounting firm out there or the only accountant that works with dentists. What, what would you 
give me one piece of information or one, um, give our audience a piece of information that they could use. So when they vet um, the accounting firm that they want to work with, or even what questions should they be asking the accounting firm that they have now to make sure that they're in the right place? Yeah, I'll give you a couple things, Patrick. So I mean, you could take your prior year returns and your current year financial statements, and especially if you have a forecast of what you think your, your business is going to make this year, take them to your CPA, set an appointment, sit down and say, okay, you know, we can't do anything about last year more than likely. Um, let's talk about this year. If I make this much money this year, what are some things that I can do to substantially reduce my taxes um, and, and have a conversation? Now, that, that person probably, is, you have to give them some time. You, you know, it's not a, like a, a stump the chump situation where you sit across the table and see if you can ask them a question they can't answer. Let them do some analysis. Sure. <laughs> think it through and think about your actual life situation to say, does any of this make sense? Um, or, Hey, you've got all this going on. So don't do these tax strategies this year. Um, so ask, ask about the process. What's our process. If I want to do actual tax planning, is that something that you specialize in? Sometimes you can go work with another firm for tax planning, even if that firm is not the one who prepares your returns. Sure. Specialize in different things, just like dental uh, firms do. And that's perfectly fine. So I would say gathering tax returns and gathering current year financials and having an estimate of what not only what you're going to make, but what you're going to spend. Um, you know, if this is a year where you're putting an addition on your house and putting a kid through college and there's just no meat left on the bone financially to be able to do anything from a tax perspective, then pay the tax and don't worry about it. Uh, if it's a year where you have a lot left over and you could you could do some tax strategies, that's a great year to do some tax planning. Excellent advice, Luke. As always, we really appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you sharing with our audience. Um, again, everyone, check out um, Dentist. That's D-E-N-T-I-S-T-C-P-A firm.com. Uh, Luke Gein, uh, certified public accountant specializing uh, in dental practices. Um, Luke, thank you very much again for coming on the show. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Patrick. See you next time. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.